Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Hello, hello. Thank you for that very warm welcome, my gosh. Um, I am so, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, And I am excited to talk about one of my favorite and simultaneously least favorite topics, um, which is money. So buckle up. Um, But before we get started, I just want to acknowledge that um, talking about money can be like really uncomfortable um, and difficult sometimes. So um, you might be thinking like, pretty sure this sermon is not going to spark joy, so I'm just going to like get up out of here and leave, um, which is totally valid if you ever need to like go out in the lobby, like do whatever you need to, feel free to get up, move around, you do you, you will do whatever you need to, um, but you know, hopefully you'll stick around for a little, I won't be offended if you don't, um, but like we all know that talking about money doesn't always feel great. Um, like maybe you've seen preachers and sneakers where this person on Instagram like takes photos of people preaching and then like talks about how much their clothes cost. So like this particular example, um, you know, these shoes are like a couple thousand dollars. Um, so maybe you've seen that and you're just like skeptical about talking about money in church. Well, I am here to tell you don't worry because I've only seen Tyler wear one pair of sneakers. Um, and like, based on my limited shoe knowledge, they're very reasonably priced. So like, we're okay there. Um, but like, when it comes to money, there, <laughs> there can be like a lot of just like, gross embarrassment, like whatever, um, about how much or how little we make, how, how we like quote unquote waste our money, how much debt we're in, like how much we do or do not give to charitable causes or like the church. Um, maybe you're unemployed, underemployed, underpaid, maybe you can't work because you're disabled or of your immigration status, or maybe you're really comfortable money-wise. Um, Everyone in this room is going to be in a different place um, and have different emotions about finances. Um, With that said, I'm coming from a very specific place. You know, I have a full-time job. I get a decent salary. I have some, you know, disposable income. I don't have kids to support. Um, So that's kind of the context that I'm coming from. Um, And I honestly feel like I'm, like, the least qualified person to talk about this, so sorry you got stuck with me. Um, I'm not great with finances and my money. Um, Like, those are definitely not tidy. Um, But I also know that money comes up a whole lot in the Bible, and Jesus has some things to say about money. So even if we can't, like, get into the nitty-gritty of financial management in this sermon, Um, There's still so much wisdom from Jesus about our finances, even if your finances are a little bit messy like mine. Um, So really, the sermon is for me. I'm just bringing you along on the journey. Welcome. Um, And I'm just figuring out for myself as I talk up here. So we'll see how it goes. Um, So the question today is how do we tidy our finances? Like we have our books, our clothes, our screen time, our mementos, like shout out to anyone who's gotten through mementos because I certainly have not. 
Um, but how do we practice discernment when it comes to money? Um, for our other categories, you know, we've been putting stuff into a big pile and asking if it sparks joy. Obviously, this process is gonna be a little different. Um, I'm pretty sure though, like, if I did have a big pile of money, like, it would spark joy. So like, I think we're done, that's it. We're, just, we're good. Um, you know, we're not Scrooge McDuck. We don't get to dive into a big pile of money, even though like, that's my dream. Um, <laughs> but like, for me, as I'm sure for you, that metaphorical pile of money translates to something else, whether it's rent or mortgage, car insurance and gas or a transit pass, retirement savings, emergency savings, groceries, coffee, whatever it is, um, we're choosing to spend or save our money for something. And as we've experienced through these series, these things can say a lot about who we are, what we value, and what we're holding on to for better or worse. So like in our scripture today, Jesus talks about competing priorities and how we can't serve both God and money. And I think kind of ironically, money is one of those categories that really can show what our priorities are. Um, when I actually look at how I spend my money, which I'll talk about how I do that in a little bit, it's really revealing. Like money is one of the most tangible and overarching commodities I have in my life and it like affects so much of what I do, whether it's spending or earning that money, whether it's just like getting coffee with a friend or buying a new toothbrush to like paying for a major surgery or like trying to change jobs so I have more time to do other things. Um, money impacts so many things. Um, so I don't know how many of you have like a budget. I do. Um, I don't know how many of you stick to that budget. I do not. Um, but I find that my budget can be like this ideal. Like this is what I say I'm about. This is what I say I value. But then the way that I actually spend my money, like that's the not so ideal real life version of who I am and what I value. Um, does anyone else have this problem? I hope that it's like not just me because that would be really embarrassing. <laughs> um, but somewhere along the line, who I say I am isn't aligning with how I actually live my life. Um, and there could be like so many reasons for this. Maybe, you know, you just like made a budget and you forgot an expense. Um, maybe you're just bad at math. I can't really use that excuse because I just have an app that does it for me, but I can pretend. Um, you know, or maybe like me, you just really like expensive coffee and you want to keep getting expensive coffee even though you didn't budget for it. Um, there are, or maybe I just have a lot of priorities that I am choosing to live through that are not reflected in my budget. Um, so my personal goal, told you guys, I'm just bringing you along on the journey here, um, is to bring those two things closer. This imagined, idealized budget and this like real life messy disaster. Um, to bring those the way that I really use my money closer to the way I say I want to use my money by finding what's really important to me and what sparks joy. Because practically, that's just a better way to manage my money. But like, more importantly, if something is important or valuable to me, I want to bring my whole self to that. Like, it's like if I went to Sebastian Joe's, shout out to a great ice cream place, 
and I was like standing in line and I really want to get the Nicolet Avenue pothole which recommendation yes delicious and like my roommate is in front of me and she gets like licorice ice cream or something which gross why would you do that what's wrong with you I don't know I hate licorice but like once I get up there for some reason I'm like you know what she's right I'm gonna get one of those split scoops and do Nicollet Avenue on the bottom and licorice on top and like it sounds ridiculous but for some reason like I can see myself doing that like why I don't know but I could I could see myself doing it um, and in the end I just like that licorice just melts onto my Nicollet Avenue and ruins everything and no one wants that uh, <laughs> so when I acknowledge my real priorities, I'm putting all of my energy, all of my resources to something that I actually love instead of splitting that energy and those resources between something I love and something I hate, because why give energy to that? Um, so um, let's get into it. Uh, we already discussed how it's not practical to have a huge pile of money. I did spend a little bit too long thinking about like the logistics of that. Like if I got a giant ball pit and I made like foam coins that were like in place of the balls. Um, so I did spend like a little bit too long about that, but um, decided it was not in my priorities to spend money on that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but how do we make that metaphorical pile? So shout out to Nate Hermanson who gave me some suggestions for this, gave two options. Um, the first is just to look at last month's expenses. Um, you can do this whenever you want. You don't have to wait till the end of the month. So it's February. Just look at January. You can, um, you know, like I said, I have an app that just combines everything for me, but you can pull out your credit card statements, your bank statements. Um, your receipts, if you didn't already thank them and pass them on. Um, just bring all that stuff together so you have a big picture of kind of what does your spending look like. Um, but a second option, if that seems like too much information to try to collect, um, which I get, you can just start now. Just start now and say, I'm going to write down for the next two weeks everything I spend everything that comes in, um, just to get a picture of what that looks like for you. Um, so this is something that I started to do in February, um, maybe, um, and I just started to write down like, here's what I've been spending, here's kind of, I did two colors, one was kind of like non-negotiables, like my rent and my utilities, another one was um, stuff that was like, oh, I have a little more option on this, and then I have that like right category for like things I want, but like maybe I'm gonna wait on, but I'm gonna forget about it. Um, and so I'm gonna put them there because otherwise I'm just gonna buy them immediately because I think I'm gonna forget. Um, and I did blur this out because how much I spent on DoorDash this week is between me and God um, and whoever DoorDash is selling my information to. So um, this is your metaphorical pile. This is your pile of money, your pile of finances. And the next step is to ask yourself what sparks joy. Obviously, you can't hold a lot of these things, um, but just hold them in your mind. Take a minute, sit with them, and see what emotions come up. Um, for most of the categories, there's probably going to be things that like, you know are necessary, but maybe they don't spark joy. Um, and I just encourage you to spend some time with that and just kind of see what comes up. 
Um, because those feelings are going to tell you something, whatever it is. Um, I don't love paying rent every month. I don't know anyone who does. <laughs> but like, I love having like a cozy place to call home, like above and beyond just a safe place, that basic need. Um, I really love where I live, and I really love the location and the aesthetic, and so that's something that I'm willing to put my finances into. Um, so now you've sorted your stuff, and you should have three piles, your joy pile, your necessity pile, and your pile of things that is not joyful or necessary. Um, and hopefully at this point, you can start to recognize what your priorities are. Um, you can start to bring those idealized values closer to your live values. Um, and just ask yourself some questions like, is anything surprising to you? Like, what kind of things are in your joy category? Like, what kind of things are in your not joy and not necessity category? Um, and like, where does the majority of your money go? Um, last week, Tyler talked about noun dualism, which I think is really helpful in this, because um, I think there can be a lot of like feelings about how we should spend our money, um, or how should we should prioritize expensive. And while some of that sure is helpful and practical, a lot of it isn't. Like we're all different people, we all have different values and priorities. We're all going to value different things. Um, I love good food. I like love going to restaurants. I love going out with friends. I love like enjoying a good meal together. Um, but I have this coworker who does not love going out to eat and like food for her is just like, these are the necessary nutrients I need to like fuel my body, you know? Um, and one of the, the organizations we partner with is Feed My Starving Children, which like you can go there and volunteer and pack these bags with like, rice and vitamins and protein powder and dried vegetables and then these bags get sent to uh, generally kids in need usually overseas um, and she told me one day like yeah every time i go there i like ask if i can buy some of those bags because it just seems like so convenient like all the nutrients you need like right there super easy so like we're very different people <laughs> We have very different priorities. I dream about like watching Chef's Table and visiting those restaurants, and she dreams about buying Feed My Starving Children bags. Um, but neither of that is good or bad. Like neither of that is right or wrong. We're just different people with different priorities. Um, and I'm gonna share two stories from Jesus that I think are really helpful to illustrate that. Um, the first is Matthew 19, 16 through 24. Um, and this one says, a man approached Jesus and said, teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? Jesus said, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want eternal life, keep the commandments. The man said, which ones? Jesus said, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. Classics. This is like the Ten Commandments. Check, check, check. This guy has got this. Um, then the young man replied, I've kept all these. What am I still missing? Jesus says, if you want to be complete, go sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the man heard this, he went away saddened because he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I assure you, it will be very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. 
So, yikes. <laughs> Jesus is like telling this man to sell everything he has and he doesn't want to. I get it. Um, and like, he doesn't want to give his stuff to him poor. Fine, fine. But Jesus is saying like, it's basically impossible to enter the kingdom of God if you're rich. He uses this like really hyperbolic illustration of this camel fitting through the eye of a needle, which is just ridiculous. Like, threading a needle is hard in the best of circumstances. Um, I recently took a darning class. Um, you're welcome that I am not gonna use all the darning puns that I made my roommate listen to. Um, but darning is just like, you know, fixing holes in things like socks. Um, so I took this class and we were using yarn to darn the holes. And you know, yarn is like kind of thick, like a couple millimeters thick. And so the teacher was like, okay, I've got a trick to help you thread this needle. And I'm like, I got this. <laughs> I sew, I knit, I've thread so many needles in my life. I got this. I did not have this. Um, to be fair, I did know the trick that the teacher was sharing, but I struggled so much. Like it was really embarrassing how much I struggled trying to thread that needle. Um, and I don't know if like you're good with scale or anything, but like, two millimeter thick yarn is like a lot smaller than a camel. So he's really saying something here. So then I'm gonna compare this story to a story in John 12. John 12, one through eight says, six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Lazarus and his sister hosted a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who joined him at the table. Then. Mary took an extraordinary amount, almost three quarters of a pound of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it, then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of their perfume. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained, this perfume was worth a year's wages. Can you imagine? Um, why wasn't it sold and money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take what was in it. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. This perfume was, used, was to be used in preparation for my burial, and this is how she has used it. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. So in this passage, Jesus is like, psych, you're always going to have the poor, so it doesn't even really matter. Like, what? Like, that feels like the exact opposite of what he said in that last passage. And we know, like, Jesus is all about marginalized people. So we know that Jesus is not like, <laughs> don't care about those poor people. Um, but this is a different context where there's an other pressing priority. Jesus, God in human flesh, is with them. And this story takes place right before he goes to Jerusalem where he's about to be crucified. Mary is choosing to use her resources to do something extravagant to honor Jesus. And Jesus defends her choice. Jesus endorses both giving to the poor and this one grand costly gesture, both redistributing wealth and investing in experiences that matter to us and those around us. But he's talking to different people in different circumstances. And we each get to discern for ourselves how we use our resources. And that's gonna look different for everyone. It's gonna look different than it did 10 years ago. It's gonna look different in another 10 years. Um, 
But the good news is Jesus has so much more wisdom to share about money than we can get into here today, and so much guidance about how to make those decisions in a way that lead to a more equitable and just world. As much as Jesus acknowledges context, he also offers wisdom around money that applies to everyone, like no matter the context. Um, and we also knew that we're not doing this in a vacuum. There are ways we can use our resources to invest or disinvest as a community, to collectively pursue things that are valuable with our combined resources. New City's microloans are one of the ways we do this. Um, they help provide funds to people in our community who have financial need, helping to spread our collective resources to help alleviate immediate needs. Um, and as a community, another thing we do is invest in the Incarnation Fund, a fund dedicated to BIPOC healing. We value the liberation and healing of BIPOC bodies, and so we collectively invest in that healing. And y'all, I hope that brings you joy. When we're clear about what we value and we're aligned on those values, we're able to collectively use our finances to create change. And we're able to support spaces like this. Like we're here today because like five, six, seven years ago, someone, some people, probably some of you here, decided that this community was worth supporting. So along with their prayer and their time and their energy, they put New City in their budgets because this community mattered to them. And we continue to grow and be this flourishing community because you all find value in this space and contribute your resources. So as we close out this series, I hope that you all are more free to step into what brings you joy. I hope that as a community, we can be aligned on what brings us joy so that we can say a collective yes to things that offer joy to others in our communities. So, Go be joyful. <laughs>